Welcome to episode 7 of The Story Pilgrim. Las Vegas. Not a place that you would associate necessarily with a pilgrimage. However, it is full of stories, and the city of Las Vegas has always had an attraction to me. My first career was in casinos. You'll hear a little bit more about that in this episode. But before we crack on, please remember to follow, like, comment on this podcast. Spread the word, please. It's much appreciated. Now, with that out of the way, let's head out to Vegas. Yeah, so, Las Vegas. I have been here many, many times. Stayed in quite a few different casinos. Now, I should say at this point, I am not a gambler. I worked in casinos for many years and I know how bad of an environment it is, but it's also quite a fascinating environment when you start mixing people with money and alcohol. It, uh, it can make people um, react in very, very different ways. But yeah, this episode is from Las Vegas. It's a city all... It shouldn't be here. It's the middle of a, a desert. It's uh, all man-made. It is fake. It's just glitz. It's all designed about money, taking your money. It's all about gluttony. It has the nickname of the Sin City. But it's great! There's so much fun to be had here. Also in this episode, I want to be thinking uh, about story, stories, storytelling. What constitutes a good story? What makes a good storyteller? Las Vegas has a lot of stories to tell and is telling different stories every day. Uh, Is that because of all the people that come here? Is it because of its, uh, what we might say, shady background? And what makes me today? I'll give some uh, stories from my casino background. Um, There's some quite fascinating stories uh, that relate to my own experience within casinos, but also just within the casino world. There is a plethora of things that could be talked about being here. There's a plethora of sounds just in this first moment of walking from the Paris Casino over here. You can hear it. It's an overload of senses. uh, And that's maybe one one reason why I absolutely love it here. It also can be a bit too much. Three or four days here is about enough. People that live here... Um, need a medal, really, quite frankly. I spent 15 years working in casinos, starting out as a dealer, a croupier, moved up into management and then finally training. I have plenty of stories from those days. You notice when you walk around a casino that you'll never see a clock. That is completely on purpose. They don't want you to know what time it is. You'll also notice that when you're walking around a casino, there's no windows. You won't find any daylight coming into here. It's all artificial light. You'll also notice that when you walk in, 
you can pretty much find your way in pretty easy, but when you turn around and try and walk out, it's uh, not so easy to find your way out. Uh, that is also on purpose. All of the sounds, all of the lights are all designed specifically to draw you in and keep you playing just that little bit longer. And it is quite mesmerizing if you sit down at one of these slot machines. The noise, the games that you can play on it will keep you sat down longer than you actually thought that you would do. So it's uh, all very, very clever. It's all designed to take your money. sounds of Vegas. So roulette was the very first game that I learned to deal in Manchester in England. I was 20, 20 years old, 21, I can't really remember. I'm really bad with that, aren't I? But it's, uh, it's actually mathematically the most perfect game. And the story goes is that it was invented by a Franciscan monk who wanted, who was a mathematician, and he wanted to create a new abacus. And he created the roulette game as we have it right now. Um, it didn't have a zero in it. He just had the one to 36. He had the layout as we have it. And then he created this wheel. And if you look at the actual roulette game, if you put one chip down, if you cover all, all the numbers, one to 36, and number one comes in, you will lose 35 chips, and you will be given back 35 chips. If you put a chip between two numbers, between one and two, so you're betting on one and two, and you cover all of those combinations, you will put down a total of 18 chips, 36 divided by 2, you will win on one of those numbers and you will be given 17 back. So you will never actually be able to win. Where it comes in with the casinos is, is they put the extra zero in and that takes the percentages down. And then you go to America and they put the extra double zero in and in some places now you will find a triple zero, but that takes the percentages back into the favor of the casino. Now this monk who uh, invented the game started to play the game as we play it right now and he couldn't figure out a way to win he tried every strategy that he could and he couldn't figure out a way to win and because he was a monk he had the belief that the only person that could create something perfect was God and he cannot have created something perfect and he kept playing this game and he drove himself crazy and the story goes is that he killed himself because he couldn't find a way to win. Now, if you take every number from 1 to 36 and you add them up, you will come to 666. And that is why the roulette game is known as the devil's game. Vegas is a city full of extremes. There are also certain characters that you associate with this town. If I was to ask you who springs to mind when you think of Vegas, who would you say? Show that's in town, obviously Elvis has a big uh, following, a big uh, footmark here. And it was about this time 
last time as I was walking down here, I nearly got run over by Elvis on a mobility scooter. And he shouted at me quite loudly. Uh, it was my fault, clearly, as he came flying around the corner on a, uh, on a pedestrian footpath. Um, he obviously was late for breakfast or something. Um, yeah. So the uh, Elvis who ran me over, nearly ran me over uh, on my last trip on his motability scooter, he is just sat here on his motability scooter outside Paris Paris uh, texting. But that's him, he must be going on his way to work. I'll just have to be careful now that he doesn't, doesn't get me from behind because he's going to come charging up again now. So we'll see if he, comes, see if he gets me later. Now you can hear the music going over. There is a lady in, uh, well, she must be in her 60s, maybe in her 70s. Uh, she's doing a hula hoop dance. She is uh, twirling round and round and round and at the same time keeping the hula hoop going. Uh, it's quite impressive, really. Yeah, and uh, she's got quite a crowd of people going and they're really, they're really lovely. Uh, I bet she's got a story or two to tell. Oh, 61 years old. 61 years is just a number. And uh, she is, uh, she's working the strip. Look at that, you gotta take your hat off to that, haven't you? Vegas is built on dreams. For an American city, it does have an interesting history. All of the glitz and glamour but then the harsh reality hits home. So I'm back out on the strip. Um, let's see what I can uh, remember about the strip. Well, the strip's about, I think it's just over four miles long. Um, and obviously you've got all of the major casinos along there. At the north end of the strip, you've got the old town the original like Las Vegas town, the downtown and stuff. And um, if I remember rightly, the first casino that uh, opened in this area was like in 1930 something, 30, 31. And that was the, the, the Pero Dice Club. Um, but the first like proper, like as we would know, casino, um, wasn't until like the 1940, 1941, uh, the El Rancho, Vegas, and that was like the first place to have like you know like a place to stay, and uh, the the whole Vegas thing with like a show lounge and all that type of stuff, and that was so successful. I mean, this is uh, this is during the war, you know. I mean, I don't know if in America, I think it probably was just before America joined the war. But uh, because it did so successfully, it then grew from there. I think the second one was the Hotel Last Frontier. Um, and then it just obviously grew and grew and grew from there. The first major one that we had was the Flamingo Casino. And I think that was around about the end of 46. So obviously World War II had finished by then. Um, but the Flamingo was, was well, like one of the first major big ones. Uh, to really take that whole concept. There's Darth Vader there. Um, he's, uh, he just said, oh cool, about my, uh, another nice little 
uh, comment there about my recording device. Um, but yeah, it pretty much was from there and it's just grown and grown and grown. Um, and I think sort of in, it was like the 50s that then like Vegas became the city that it is now with the, uh, they, they have all these corporated, incorporated cities over here in, in, in America. But it was like 1950 that it became like a formal big Las Vegas um, city. Uh, and it just keeps growing. It just really does. You can see it just keeps going down. Like I said, I'm, I've just been down to the, what I would term as like the oldest part of the newest part, if that makes sense, uh, down by the MGM Grand and the uh, New York, New York. There are a lot of economies in the world struggling at the moment, no more so than America. Although they would like you not to think that. But the more I travel around America, the more I see the problem of homelessness. It is huge in the States at the moment. And Las Vegas is not immune to that. As you walk along the strip, you just see countless of people begging, uh, touting for money, and uh, you can tell that a lot of them have uh, addictions. Uh, there's the opioid addiction in America, which is just rife. It's really sad to see. And you, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? And what do you, what do you do? What can I do in my life to uh, help somebody who's in that situation? I remember years ago when I was living in Huddersfield, I befriended a, a gentleman who was homeless, who would sit by the train station every day and I would buy him a coffee or a sandwich or something, not every day, but occasionally I'd sit and have a chat to him and uh, I got to know him really quite well and helped him to get his own flat and live a life as what we would call normal. Again, we could really debate what, what does that mean? What, what is normal? And um, he started to settle himself in and got himself a job. And um, within a few months of him sort of really getting settled in and getting into a good way, he one day just disappeared. Uh, no idea where he went for several weeks. And after about three weeks, I got a call from a police sergeant in a couple of towns away from where I was living at the time, uh, just telling me that he just met John on the street and just wanted, John wanted to, uh, for him to get in touch with me and tell him, tell me, sorry, that he was okay. And uh, he just couldn't take living in a house, couldn't take living in one place and just had to move on. And so, you know, who's to say that John's not wrong in doing that? Who's to say that, you know, he has the right idea? How do you know, you know? So we're all, that's what I'm saying about the Story Pilgrim. We're all going on this journey through life 
and we're all doing it so differently and who's to say who's got it right and who's got it wrong it's just uh, it's whatever you find comfortable isn't it sounds of construction there right next to the best Tex-Mex in Las Vegas uh, I think it's closed is it closed? I don't know, it's apparently the best Tex-Mex in, in Las Vegas oh you can get in it looks, it looks more like it's selling marijuana pre-rolled vapes yeah no that's that's uh, that's not Tex-Mex is it? From Tex-Mex to a dispensary, how times are changing. I love walking around Vegas. Today I decided to head up to the downtown area of Vegas. What I experienced on the way was something I certainly was not expecting. Court of uh, Nevada, and on the corner as I'm looking down there's a load of flags flying which I can quite easily say is uh, well I can not easily say I can recognize his Palestinian flags uh, on one corner and on the other corner are a load of Israeli flags so here we are in downtown Vegas and literally on opposite sides of the corner we have two nations waving their flags but let's uh, we've got the US Marshals up there standing back they are shouting at each other on the one side the Israelis uh, the Israeli flags and they have the American flags and then you've got the Palestinians on this side not one American flag of the Palestinians Hello, you're right. It's alright to go around the back. Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. So you got the US Marshals in the middle. Stay in there. 
the side. Yes. That's the God people. There's more people over there. No, that's the God people. <laughs> God people. Where? That's his, his people, but well, all, everybody who accepts Jesus as a Savior is everybody. But well, that's it. That's it. That's if you believe in a God, wish, isn't it? Yes, I wish to speak English to explain you, but I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Where are you from yourself? I'm from Mexico. From Mexico? Yes. You live here now? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. I wish to be able it's to. It's such a shame, explain. isn't it? Yes. Such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going over to, I'm, I'm going, I just came across this, yeah, I didn't know this was, was happening. I was crossing, but I'm going to show my husband all this. Yeah, of course. Do you work, you work or you... Yeah, I live near here. You live near here, yeah. Yeah. It is such so, a shame. But, you know, I feel like, what can I do? Do you know, do you know what you I mean? Like, what can you, what can you personally do in yes. your life to make it better? Yes, we have to believe in God and we have to... Do the right things. I think these people acting like an animal for the for the Israel people, killing it, babies, all those things. But it's not the Palestinians. It's Hamas. That's a different. It's a different. It's a different. It's a it's a terrorist organization. So it's not those people. It's Hamas. Yes. Yes. Not so them. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah. They, yeah. No. Now I think we have to wait. No, we have to wait. Yeah. But it is. It's, I know what you. Mean. I totally understand what you mean. When you read yeah. the Bible, you got, you gotta know it's not the man, it's, it's the spirit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish to speak English. I wish to yeah. speak English. Yo hablo un poco de español. Oh, okay. Pero yo no entiendo Mucho. bastante. I'm gonna take the picture. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm gonna take the picture to show my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take pictures from both sides. Yes. But I'm going <laughs> are, this side. But we're also lucky that we can walk from one side to another. Yeah. start today was it been going a few days um i actually had to just ask the journalist see what was happening i was like I don't, you don't know what's happening no i've been i've been off the grid for the past month because i've been on holidays and okay. I, I saw like a bombing on the tv in the casino and i was like oh shit i better like all right start catching I, thought, up on I thought you were the cameraman too really <laughs> no no I, um so yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Good well that's good you having a good time <laughs> yeah well that was uh unexpected it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you go, you go just a few miles south, and you're in Vegas, Sin City. You don't even have to go that far. You can go two blocks. I'm going to literally walk two blocks north now, and two blocks uh, west, and I'm going to be at the Fremont Experience, totally bereft of uh, of any of that. 
just like that, that young man there from Australia. He's been on vacation for a month. He had no idea what was going on. So we, uh, yeah, we're coming. We're in downtown Vegas now. You got the Golden Nugget. You got uh, Circa, the D, uh, and we will uh, wander around to uh, the Fremont Experience. We all have this experience of life, and we all have our own dreams, aspirations, struggles, worries. That's what the Story Pilgrim is all about. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting this. Now this is me trying to explain the Fremont experience. It, it does lots of things. So it... it it's just undercover and it's like giant TV screens up there and they'll do things like they'll have aeroplanes flying over and stuff and uh, it's pretty cool I'll take a couple of pictures but you know like I said I've just walked up here through a lot of uh, quietness and a lot of nothing and then you have this young lady sat here singing away But like you said, this is literally like a five minute walk away from where that um, demonstration was going on. And it's, a much, it's the cheaper part of town. So look, there's a White Castle Burgers place there. Uh, oh, there they go. There's some people just uh, zip lining away in the Superman pose. That's actually quite fun. It actually looks quite cool. Golden Nugget. Four Queens, Frontier, uh, all the old casinos. And in these casinos, they will have the $1 tables. Uh, I wonder if they still have the 25 cent slots, five cent slots, uh, all those great things. It was a giant gorilla. <laughs> I mean, it's about eight foot tall. That's pretty cool. Casinos have the bars out on the on the Fremont experience. Let's go into the uh, Golden Nugget and have a look around.
I love it in the old casinos, one of the very first things that you see is a Wheel of Fortune. One of the worst games that you can play, but it's right there at the door. So I've walked south. I'm walking south on 3rd Street uh, from downtown and I'm in the Arts District. And it's quite an interesting area and in it's just very like what we would say in England bungalows, little ranch houses, little uh, quite wide pavements to walk on. It's very quiet as you can probably hear now, listen to that. Such a city of extremes. I love it. Now, we are the story pilgrim. I started to think about my thoughts and theories on stories and storytelling. And I sort of posed a question earlier this morning to myself about what constitutes a good story, what makes a good storyteller. Aristotle said, uh, it needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, does it? I think sometimes stories that don't have an end are very intriguing. They can be very frustrating to the listener. They can also be frustrating to the person who is telling that story. But um, not all stories do have an end. They do continue. A bit like Peaky Blinders. But um, what makes a good storyteller? For me, the most important thing in any form of communication is listening. Now, as you're telling a story, you're whoever you're telling that story to is the listener but as I'm telling that story I have to be listening to the reaction of my audience which is really quite interesting when I'm recording a podcast because I have no idea what your reaction is to these words to any of the words that I've done before to the music that I put underneath it to the sounds around me so what is that? How do I become a good storyteller by listening to my audience when I don't get anything back from you? Don't have an answer for that. Um, you could send me a postcard. It's empathy, I think. Empathy is what makes a good storyteller. Empathy for your audience, empathy for yourself, empathy for the story that you are telling and that what it relates to. That's when I like to ask somebody to tell me a story. I really do insist that that story comes from an experience that they have had in their life. Telling me a made-up story is great. It shows great imagination, great creativity. Will it show me any empathy? It might do, if you're a good storyteller. 
Las Vegas has a lot of stories to tell and it will continue to tell a lot of stories. It will continue to create a lot more stories. As long as it's here and I don't see it going anywhere for a very long time. I walked 16 miles that day in Vegas. I experienced fun, frustration, love, hate, a plethora of emotions, senses and feelings. As I continue on this pilgrimage of life, I marvel at the resilience, persistence and intelligence of us as human beings. I also hold my head in shame at how cruel we can be. Again, we don't have any political or religious standings as the story pilgrim. All I can give is what I have experienced from my own life. And I just feel as a communicator, the most important thing, as I said before, is listening. If we listen to one another, we can have the time to understand why people may feel the way that they feel. I think Vegas is one of those places you have to experience at least once in your life. I'm going to leave the last word to a man who once nearly ran me over with his motability scooter. Take it away, Big Elvis. Thank you for listening to episode 7 of The Story Pilgrim, Las Vegas. It was written and produced by Darren Hill. 
Original music by the amazing Anya Backer. For more information on The Story Pilgrim, please go to our website, thestorypilgrim.com. Please like, follow, comment on this podcast, and share it with ones that you love. Keep listening. <laughs>